WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Five o'clock. Good morning. It is October 16th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mix of sun and clouds today. Another beauty. I-64 tonight, overnight. Low 51. And then Tuesday, partly cloudy, high 63. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 44 and partly cloudy in Spring Valley up in Rockland County, 46 and clear in Perth Amboy down in New Jersey. And it is 47 and clear outside our Midtown studios right now. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. I can't believe it's Monday already. Boy, this week went fast. Uh, we were watching yesterday as uh, New Yorkers escaping Israel were arriving at the airports here, uh, JFK, Newark Airport, more than a week into that crisis there. Many families struggling to get out. Many spent thousands of dollars boarded flights with multiple connections through Europe to get back to here. Nobody is flying directly between New York, New Jersey, and Israel except for El Al. There were uh, many emotional reunions at Newark Airport as parents and children waited for family members to return. The flight back was just difficult. It's like, okay, I'm going to leave my house. I'm going to go stay in a public area. I'm going to sit there and wait. And whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Kind of was the scariest part of it. I spent my trip crying, basically. Every, you know, every hour or so, I'm like, oh, my God, is this really happening? It was a huge tourism week in Israel. It was all the Jewish holidays kind of are all on top of each other. The last one being Sukkot. And that's uh, when Hamas launched that surprise attack that killed hundreds of uh, families uh, coming back, describing uh, the fear while hunkering down in bomb shelters or with families. I'm very happy to be back. But the people there are coming together and they are incredible and they are doing so much to help each other that it just feels very warm and, and very protective. We all want to do everything we, we can to help. But at the same time, like you have to put your safety first. Yeah, so Americans still trying to get out. Uh, there were some charter flights that went from, uh, that the Americans provided, I should point out, that went from Israel to Greece, and now some people are trying to figure out how to get from Athens back to the U.S. Everything was, like, either extremely expensive or, like, not soon enough, you know? Like, it would be, like, in, like, two weeks or, like, in a week and a half, and, like, by then it's it's just not, like, safe to stay there for that long. All right, so as Americans were getting out, let's find out the latest of what's going on in the Middle East in Gaza and in Israel. We go to the guy who's guided us through this uh, from day one, Alex Trayman. He's the CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate, JNS.org, and he joins us live on our Newsmaker line. Good morning, Alex. Good morning. Thank you. Alex, tell me a little bit about what went on over the weekend, both in Israel and Gaza. Well, there's been uh, massive IDF barrages inside the Gaza Strip. Uh, at the same time, there's been tons of rockets fired at Israeli population centers. Uh, there were over 360 arrests uh, of Hamas members inside uh, Judea and Samaria, commonly known as the West Bank, uh, in the last several days, including several over the weekend, uh, just where I was 
where I was living in the where I live in Eastern Jerusalem, we heard we heard uh, machine gun fire at multiple occasions, uh, which was responded to by Israeli police. Uh, but fortunately, no major incidents are reported over there. Uh, but as Israel gears up for what continues to be an impending uh, ground incursion, uh, there's a sense that uh, violence could uh, erupt uh, both inside of the you know, mixed Israeli Arab population centers, Judea and Samaria. And of course, there's been uh, continued, um, continued attacks on both sides of the Israel-Lebanese border with Hezbollah as well. You know, there's a lot of people asking this question. How did Hamas amass so many rockets? It seems that they just continue this volley, which means they must have tens of thousands of them. I know uh, some of them are snuck in through these tunnels, but how are they able to amass such a, so many of them? Well, the Qassam rockets are manufactured inside of the Gaza Strip. Uh, and this has really been the failure of Israeli policy, security policy over the last uh, number of years, last decade even, to allow Hamas uh, in the south and Hezbollah in the north to accumulate uh, so many of the weapons. The weapons that Lebanon has, that Hezbollah has in Lebanon, many of them were smuggled over uh, from Iran, you know, through Iraq, through Syria, over to Lebanon. Uh, and that's why they have more sophisticated rockets than the ones in Gaza. But uh, we're seeing now... Uh, the results of the the bad policy of allowing terrorists to accumulate rockets. When we were talking to you on Friday, Israel had warned people in uh, northern Gaza to move south and gave them a 24-hour window. It seems like that window was extended. But uh, how has that process gone? I know people have been trying to get south. Or have people gotten south? And what is happening to them when they get to the south of Gaza? So reports are that hundreds of thousands have indeed moved south. Uh, Hamas has been blocking people from moving south. <laughs> there were roadblocks, uh, satellite photos of roadblocks uh, over the corridors that would have enabled uh, Gazans to get south. Uh, and there's also a report, I'm not, I haven't seen it, I saw it in one news source uh, this morning that uh, Hamas may have even killed up to 70 people that were trying to move south. Uh, so... They want as many people as possible to remain in place because they're hoping that the number of casualties uh, that uh, Israel causes is, is just increased in order to keep up the diplomatic pressure on Israel to stop its fighting. Any indication so far of when, I imagine they won't tell us, but any indication of when Israel might move in with this planned ground war? Well, I'll tell you, a lot of Israelis were expecting it to have happened already. Uh, I know that the IDF has been, uh, on the one hand, making sure that supplies, uh, the adequate supplies are reaching all of the 360,000 soldiers that have been mobilized so far, uh, have been diligently reviewing battle plans. There were reports that uh, many soldiers or, or commanders uh, went over the Gaza Strip and choppers on flyovers uh, as part of the uh, training and and so we don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but there's also a feeling in Israel that the longer it takes, uh, the less likely it might be. Uh, so there's definitely pressure of, inside Israel. People want to see this happen. People want to see Hamas uh, fully uh, removed from power, 
in the Gaza Strip, and, and the strong sense is that the only way that that's going to happen is with a ground incursion. WABC News Time 510 on the Newsmaker Line, Alex Trayman, CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate, JNS.org. So, Alex, let's talk about the hostages. We heard from the Americans who say they're trying diplomatic channels to get these hostages out, but no plans of any military exercise to do so. What about on the part of the Israeli and all the Israeli hostages that may be held in Gaza? Well, Israel's reported now that there may be as many as 199 hostages inside the Gaza Strip. And uh, Yossi Cohen, who was the former director of the Mossad, which is essentially uh, Israel's CIA, uh, was on the news saying that indirect negotiations are taking place uh, to try to secure release of the hostages. Uh, But I am certain that if Israel does uh, undertake a ground operation, that a piece of this operation is going to be aimed towards uh, releasing, finding whichever terrorists they have have, uh, intelligence um, and locations on. So that number has risen over the weekend, right? We were talking 150 or something like that. Now they're saying 199? That's the number that's been reported this morning. And what do you think they can offer these, uh, you know, Hamas militants, these Hamas terrorists in return for their hostages? Well, on the first, they have uh, many Hamas prisoners themselves, including many that they, they took on Saturday. Um, the Hamas had said at the beginning of the conflict that the two reasons why they had uh, attacked Israel was over the Temple Mount, Al-Aqsa Mosque, and also over the uh, treatment of Hamas prisoners. So there's a lot of Hamas prisoners in Israeli prison. Israel has released in the past uh, many Hamas prisoners back to Hamas. And uh, several years ago, there was an Israeli soldier, Gilad Shalit, uh, who Israel traded a thousand prisoners uh, to get back. So there, on the one hand, there could be prisoner exchange. On the other hand, uh, Israel is pummeling the Gaza Strip. So certainly I think that uh, they could potentially slow down uh, or stop early or protect certain uh, installations inside the Gaza Strip. Uh, in exchange for the return of the hostages. Are Israelis paying attention to the war of words happening over here at all? You know, where Harvard put out this statement essentially saying they thought it was okay that Hamas had taken out Israelis in, you know, because they had it coming. Uh, Many other comments in NYU uh, law school uh, students said something along the same lines. Are they paying attention to that or are they just too involved with what's going on in Israel? Yeah, I think, unfortunately, Israelis don't understand what's going on in academia inside the United States and Europe and elsewhere. But they really should, because it is a it is a foretelling of what will be potentially America's foreign policy toward Israel in the future. We're already beginning to see uh, that this problem that started in the universities as many as 20, 25 years ago now has graduates of those universities uh, running uh, public schools and teaching and and even all the way up to the halls of Congress. Uh, So what is going to happen when you have new graduates from the university system uh, in the halls of power in the United States in another 10 years from now? Uh, I don't know necessarily know that Israel can count on the long-term support of the United States as long as uh, this type of education against the state of Israel is being uh, promoted inside American universities.
Talking with Alex Trayman, CEO, Jerusalem Bureau, Chief of Jewish News Syndicate, JNS.org. I'm going to ask you the billion-dollar question. So uh, it seems right now that Israel has in- immense world support to finish off Hamas. As you know from covering these things over the years, that window will close very quickly. And if they do finish off Hamas, who owns Gaza and who runs Gaza after that? Well, we heard uh, Biden say, President Biden say on 60 Minutes last night that he thinks it would be a mistake for Israel to occupy uh, the Gaza Strip after any kind of operation. We've heard reports from Gilad Erdan, who's Israel's uh, U.N. ambassador, and also uh, Michael Herzog, who's Israel's ambassador to the United States, uh, both reiterate that Israel has no intention of reoccupying the Strip. We heard from uh, President Biden that there needs to be a centralized Palestinian authority. The problem here is that the Palestinian authority is just one degree uh, less less violent than, than Hamas, perhaps. And in fact, they have a horrific uh, financial policy of incentivizing and paying uh, terrorists that are sitting in Israeli prisons and paying the families of martyrs, quote unquote, martyrs who are killed in the act of first degree murder while trying to, to harm Israelis. So, you know, I, taking the taking the, the territory and handing it over to the Palestinian Authority doesn't necessarily seem like it would be solving the problem. All right. One last question for you, Alex, because I know you're busy. Tell me uh, what it has been like for you as you continue to cover this all. But of course, you have family and loved ones there. How are you holding up? Well, we're holding up okay. over the Sabbath here. You know, we heard machine gunfire from our home uh, in the neighborhood. There was a lot of police in the neighborhood, especially on Friday night at the time of uh, the the evening prayers uh, with fears that that uh, angry angry residents of the of the neighboring communities could infiltrate in, into our neighborhood, which is very close by. You know, we heard from the mosque uh, a tremendous amount of incitement uh, coming on the loudspeakers on, on Friday, trying to rile up the community. And I was just in a, a taxi this morning uh, with an Arab taxi driver from uh, Jabal Mukabar, which is sometimes considered one of the more um, one of the more radical uh, villages in, in eastern Jerusalem, and he said that if uh, that if Israel will will release a ground incursion in the Gaza Strip, that he would expect there to be uh, difficult days in Jerusalem. Yeah, no, no, nothing that we want to hear. Alex uh, Trayman, CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of Jewish News Syndicate, JNS.org. Thanks so much again for joining us on the Newsmaker Line. Thanks for having me. 516 now let's head over to the 77 wabc sports desk where we find justin ellick who must have had a very tough evening last night yeah well it wasn't great no i'm not gonna tell you it wasn't uh, uh, just what, if you don't know justin is a longtime eagles fan yeah yeah so uh you know well it's not that funny i don't no, know why it was uh, funny, actually, i don't know yeah i don't funny. know why you're laughing What a great game. What do you mean, what a great game? I mean, it was a great game anyway, whether you were an Eagles fan or not. Well, I think you can hear it in my voice. I was not very happy uh, at the television, at least. Uh, A lot of yelling and screaming. I was thinking about getting something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to tell a story, but now I'm just going to move on. So, anyway. I'm sorry, that slipped. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) On the uh, gridiron here, I guess uh, we'll start with the aforementioned. The Jets erased an 11-point deficit and held on to shock. 
what was the league's last remaining undefeated team in the Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, we lasted a few minutes longer than the San Francisco 49ers. So the Jets win by a score of 20-14. to 14. Brees Hall ran for an 8-yard touchdown with 146 remaining. One play after Tony Adams intercepted Jalen Hurts to set up New York deep in the red zone. Here's what that sequence sounded like, courtesy of Fox Sports. Third and nine at the 46. Hurts facing a four-man rush over the middle. It's intercepted! Picked off by Tony Adams! Adams on the run! Breaking tackles! Tossed down inside the 10! On first down into the end zone, Brees Hall in for the touchdown, and the Jets take the lead. And the season is reborn for the New York Jets. Their first win against the Eagles in the history of the franchise, and they do it 20-14. to 14. All right. Even he was laughing. Did you hear that at the end there? <laughs> yeah. Do you know how hard it is for me to have to replay these clips? Like now, I, and I'm going to have to hear it all day long. And, right. Joe, and Joe Nolan's coming up. And i got to hear right. Joe Nolan talk about it. So this is, you know, this is a whole day long thing for oh, me. Oh, what a rough life. Yeah. 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 It's not easy being five and one. The Eagles got one more chance, but the Jets' defense held strong, allowing Zach Wilson and the offense to take uh, two kneel downs to seal the unlikely victory. With with uh, with which I should say, the Jets moved to an even three in three on the season. As for the Giants, challenges on offense uh, persisted once again in route to a fourteen to nine loss to the Bills in Buffalo. Well, the Bills barely hung on. The Giants were uh, lamenting their fourth straight loss, coming down to a season-long inability to find the end zone. New York settled for three field goals by Graham Gano as the team ended both the game and the first half, having a drive end at Buffalo's one-yard line. The Bills moved to 4-2 in the year with the win, while the Giants dropped to an abysmal 1-5. Week 6 wraps up tonight with uh, the Cowboys and Chargers in L.A. for Monday night football kickoff set for 8.15 p.m., and the Cowboys are currently one-and-a-half-point favorites. On the ice, there was no local action yesterday or last night, but the Rangers and Devils will be back at it tonight. The Hockey Blue Shirts will welcome in the Arizona Coyotes for a 7 p.m. puck drop in their home opener, while the Devs did set to host the Florida Panthers also at 7 p.m. Finally, to the Diamond and the MLB playoffs for the ALCS got underway last night between the Rangers and Astros in Houston, opening with a 2 0 Rangers win behind a gem from Texas's Jordan Montgomery on the bump. Another great trade by the uh, Yankees there. The Rangers will take the 1 0 series lead into game two set for this afternoon at 4 37 p.m. As for the NLCS between the Diamondbacks and Phillies, that'll get going with game one's first pitch scheduled for tonight at 8 7 p.m. in Philadelphia. No, that's your sports, and I'm Justin Ellicott. 77 WABC. WABC News Time 522. Let's go down to D.C. One House Republican admitting the current status of not having a speaker is not so good, but not a crisis yet. We've allowed a different process of democracy to, to take hold within our own conference, which is that majority doesn't rule. Texas Congressman Dan Crenshaw there saying that Kevin McCarthy was ousted as Speaker of the House, even though only a handful of Republicans voted for his removal. We only had 4% of our conference actually against him, and and uh, somehow he was opposed. Now, of course, the Democrats made up the rest of that majority. Yes, so Crenshaw really slamming efforts by some of uh, Ohio Representative Jim Jordan's allies to turn Republicans against those who didn't plan to vote for him. They're going to whip up Twitter against the people who are against Jordan. That is the dumbest way to support Jordan, and I'm supporting Jordan. I'm going to vote for Jordan. Yeah, Crenshaw called the strategy the dumbest way to support Jordan. That is, the House Minority Speaker, Hakeem Jeffries, says Democrats are willing to work with Republicans on a solution to the chaos of the House Speaker. It's time to end the Republican Civil War so we can get back to doing the business of the American people. 
So he claims there's been informal conversations about a bipartisan governing coalition. I find that hard to believe. We want to ensure that votes are taken on bills that have substantial Democratic support and substantial Republican support. And then like uh, like uh, Crenshaw did there, he's blaming this small group of Republicans for messing everything up. A handful of Republicans being able to determine what gets voted on in the House of Representatives. WABC News Time 524. Russian President Vladimir Putin will meet with Chinese President Xi in China this week. Leaders in Moscow and Beijing say the visit is aimed at deepening the partnership between Washington's two biggest strategic competitors. Putin will attend China's Belt and Road Forum in Beijing on Tuesday and Wednesday. It'll mark Putin's first trip out of Russia since the International Criminal Court issued a warrant for his arrest in March over deporting Ukrainian children to Russia. I'm Scott Carr. Down to the U.S.-Mexico border where the Hamas attacks on Israel are putting a spotlight on that border. A total of 151 people with names on the FBI's terror screening database have already been caught this year trying to cross the border. And then we also got to wonder how many are, are getting away. That should be the alarming question right there. It's a great question. Chris Ribeiro with the Border Patrol Union says there have been nearly 1.6 million of those so-called gotaways since January of 2021. There's no way of knowing if any of them were potential terrorists. It's scary times we're living in and, you know, some things can be prevented, but unfortunately our administration is not trying to prevent them. And you wouldn't be surprised to hear Cabrera say that the Border Patrol Union says it's often hard to tell the identity of those who are showing up at the border. Whether it's a guy looking for uh, the American dream and you know better way of life for his family or somebody that's looking to do harm to our country. 525 would stay in Texas. People attending the State Fair of Texas in Dallas scrambling for cover over the weekend when a man pulled out a gun in a food court and just started shooting away. The preliminary investigation determined that one man shot at another man. Three people were shot. All have non-life-threatening injuries. There was this great video on TikTok, which I'm a little too addicted to, of a woman who was on the Ferris wheel at the time of that shooting. She was at the top of the Ferris wheel, and she's shooting all the, or I shouldn't say shooting's the wrong thing, filming what's going on down below her, trying to figure out all that was going on. The suspect ran from the scene. Officers were able to locate him and took him into custody. Yes, yeah, so he was caught. Uh, Health care giant Kaiser Permanente and its workers have reached a tentative deal after the largest health care strike in U.S. history. The union president, Dave Regan, shares the details of this agreement. Um, that unquestionably allows uh, this workforce to not just keep up with but exceed uh, the cost of living that people are struggling with across the country. Four-year tentative agreement not only includes wage increases, but expands job training and other initiatives to help address the staffing crisis in health care. United Auto Workers Union prepared to call on more members to walk out and join the picket line this week. Here's UA President Sean Fain. UAW family, yesterday marked four weeks since we launched our stand-up strike. He says uh, the UAA, UAW isn't expanding the strike, but it's calling on members to get to the picket line so everybody's represented. So tomorrow, I'm calling on all of our UAW members and our allies to head to a picket line, celebrate these members who are leading the way, and not just our big three members. 
And the opening bell it rings this morning after stocks fizzled on Friday to end a volatile week. A spike in oil prices and inflation fears rattled markets as consumer sentiment fell sharply in October. University of Michigan's early reading for October fell about 7% all on inflation worries. At the closing bell Friday, the Dow gained 39, S&P 500 lost 21, NASDAQ fell 166. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me. Good morning. It is Monday, October 16th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mix of sun and clouds today. High 64. Tonight and overnight, low 51. And then tomorrow... Kind of the same weather, partly cloudy, high 63. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 44, partly cloudy in Spring Valley up in Rockland County. 46 and clear in Perth Amboy down in New Jersey. And it is 47 and clear outside our Midtown studios right now. We'll start this half hour right here at 77 WABC, where former Mayor Bill de Blasio was on the Cats Roundtable with uh, John Katsimatidis yesterday, talking about a bunch of things, uh, one of them being security in the city in light of the attacks uh, going on, the Hamas attack on Israel, the retaliation by Israel. Uh, mayor de Blasio says that's the kind thing that should worry a mayor here in the city global events sometimes play out here in the big city this is a very painful moment i want to you know not just for for jewish new yorkers all new yorkers should be feeling right now uh, just just a sense of pain and horror at what we saw from hamas it was it was disgusting inhumane um we uh, really it's really important at this point it can't be any, you know, moral relativism or, or mixing words here. What we saw was disgusting, unacceptable, and it needs to be condemned by everyone across the spectrum. De Blasio telling John yesterday that he's a longtime supporter of Israel, who teaches at NYU, formerly taught at Harvard. Uh, he was ripping on his fellow progressives on the left, particularly those on colleges, campuses, for cheering on Hamas uh, uh, among as they killed innocent Jews in Israel and failing to condemn it. And um, then he went on to say that uh, he's looking at what's going on in D.C., uh, in Washington with the uh, trying to figure out who the House Speaker is, uh, Republicans and Democrats working together, and he's not really that hopeful by what he sees. You know, it's it's very difficult to watch this because it's not the America that we all know, and it doesn't, you know, it, what, a, what a strange thing, especially in the middle of this crisis in the Middle East, you know, here's America, we can't elect the Speaker of the House of Representatives. That's not America. It, it, this is something, a bigger problem we got to solve. You know, I, I will say, um, you, you can imagine I'm not someone who's necessarily a big fan or friend of Kevin McCarthy or uh, Mitch McConnell, but both of them did show the ability to work with Joe Biden uh, to come to some agreements on some things. We've actually had some really important bipartisan legislation like the CHIPS Act and and some of the infrastructure work and clearly on the budget process. You know, until this recent uprising by a very small number of extreme right Republicans. You can hear that entire interview, by the way, which I did this morning, uh, surfing on over to WABCRadio.com. Here, the mayor and John from the Cats Roundtable from yesterday. 535.
up to the Bronx. There were hundreds of shining lights in the Bronx for a one-year-old who died of fentanyl exposure at a daycare. This happened one month ago, and then at this moment, we're feeling the same pain. Yeah, uh, yesterday marked 30 days since the tragedy that claimed the life of Nicholas Domenici. The boy's parents were there holding each other during much of the vigil. You'll remember he was the one-year-old who accidentally ingested fentanyl in his daycare center, which was apparently a drug mill. Uh, so they had a prayer service yesterday, lots of people showing up. The father also led a group pair. We gathered to support the Dominici and the Feliz family. Our jobs are to protect the babies, and we fail. Three other children who were exposed to fentanyl at that daycare center thankfully survived. This family, a young family, an honest family, hardworking family, this tragedy perhaps will lift the city up so that it doesn't happen to another family like yeah, that. Hard to watch that family yesterday, so tragic. 536, former Trump lawyer Michael Cohen is facing a health-related issue, will not testify in court this week. Cohen was scheduled to appear on Tuesday and Wednesday to testify in Trump's $250 million civil fraud case. Now, we had heard from Donald Trump that he was going to be here to watch it all, so it's not clear if he will show up or not on Friday. Multiple sources reported Cohen is now battling a health issue, and his testimony will have to be delayed. It's not clear if the case will go on. The news comes one day after Trump announced that he would fly into New York to watch Cohen testify in person. WABC News Time 538, New York Congressman George Santos having a heated exchange with a protester over Israel on Capitol Hill. The Republican unleashing a tirade of expl- uh, expletives and claimed he was being accosted by the man. The gentleman back there is a terrorist sympathizer that has no business in this building. Santos went on to describe the attacks on Israel as awful. Def- and he says anyone defending Hamas, whether elected or civilian, belong doesn't belong in the Capitol. What is happening in Israel is abhorrent. What is happening to the people of Israel should not be defended. Yeah, the outburst occurring in the Longworth uh, House building where members uh, had gathered to nominate a new candidate for speaker. 539. Out to Staten Island over the weekend, elected officials from Staten Island calling for the closure of that migrant shelter because of code violations, the one at St. John Villa Academy. There are a host of issues at this site that they believe and they acknowledge that cannot be cured. That's Councilman Joe Borelli. Officials pointed to inhumane conditions such as cots jammed into the former cafeteria and classrooms for migrants. The New York Post reports that fire officials were returned to several shelters starting on Sunday, uh, or they were set to go on Sunday to issue final inspections and possible vacate orders. And you cannot stuff people into shelters and ignore the fire code. You have to follow the fire code. The people who work there have to be safe. The people you're sheltering there have to be safe. An assemblyman was out there as well saying that it's just not safe to put that many people into one school. It was, it was a school. It wasn't meant to be a shelter. And the city of New York is expecting to have adult families live in one huge room, multiple. Is that any way for a human being to live? 540, the Muslim community in Nassau County on Long Island. Holding a pro-Palestine rally yesterday in Mineola, the organizer says the event's goal was to encourage peace in Gaza and give a voice to Palestinians in the community. Allah. Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! 
We want to live peacefully with each other, and our religious call for it. The rally began with a prayer on the lawn of the Nassau County Executive Building. Demonstrators say the Israel-Hamas war is creating a humanitarian crisis and called for an immediate ceasefire, uh, ceasefire in Gaza. We will not display hate, anti-Semitism, or call for violence. Instead, we will show solidarity. Demonstrators calling for all sides to be heard. They say just one is being heard now. We're saying have humanity, stand up for truth, listen to both sides. We want Jews and Palestinians and Jews and Muslims and people of all backgrounds to live in peace. Many demonstrators there said they would continue to pray for peace in Gaza and in Israel. The National Fallen Firefighters Foundation held their annual National 9-11 Memorial Stair Climb for Fallen Firefighters. They did, uh, one of the events was at Louis Armstrong Stadium in Flushing yesterday. Lots of people showed up for this. My dad was Lieutenant Joe Levy and I lost him on September 11th. I was 10 and it's important for me to continue to honor his legacy and FDNY members, family, supporters climbed 110 flights of stairs to honor the 343 FDNY members who lost their lives at the World Trade Center on 9-11 and those who died in the years after the attack from 9-11 related diseases. The 110 flights represents the 110 stories of the World Trade Center. It is an unbelievable support group that we have here. Uh, I'm so happy to be a proud of be a part of it. I made it my career after 33 years. It does bring up a lot of different emotions of that day and, you know, leaving your family. And um, my kids were little at the time, you know, and I told my wife, well, I, you know, I got to go. The National Fallen Firefighters Foundation does a lot of great work, by the way. They provide resources to families working on reducing firefighter deaths and injuries. So all the money raised for a great cause yesterday. Even though, you know, you feel the pain of the loss, you also think about all your you know, paying forward and what those members would have wanted us to do today. And so it feels like we're, you know, climbing with their strength at our back. Yeah, the event also benefits, of course, the family of fallen firefighters and provides counseling services as well. A comedian and actor, Pete Davidson, kicked off the 49th season of Saturday Night Live over the weekend. And because of all the events happening overseas in Gaza and in Israel, uh, it was sort of a solemn beginning to SNL. Of course, uh, you may not know this, but Pete Davidson's father was a firefighter who died in the 9-11 attack. So maybe it was appropriate that he was the one to talk about terrorist attacks uh, as he began the show on Saturday night. This week we saw the horrible images and stories from Israel and Gaza. And I know what you're thinking, who better to comment on it than Pete Davidson? (laughs) Well, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, I am a good person to talk about it because when I was seven years old, uh, my dad was killed in a terrorist attack. So I know something about what that's like. Um, I saw so many terrible pictures this week of children suffering, uh, Israeli children and Palestinian children. And uh, it took me back to a really horrible, horrible place. And, um, you know, no one in this world deserves to suffer like that, you know, especially not kids, you know. Um, After my dad died, my mom tried uh, pretty much everything she could do to cheer me up. I remember one day when I was eight, uh, she got me what she thought was a Disney movie, uh, but it was actually the Eddie Murphy stand-up special, Delirious. Uh, and we played it in the car on the way home, and, and when she heard the things Eddie Murphy was saying, uh, she tried to take it away. 
Um, but then she noticed something. Uh, for the first time in a long time, I, I was laughing again. Um, I don't understand it. Uh, I really don't, and I never will. But sometimes comedy is really the only way forward through tragedy. Um, you know, my heart is with everyone whose lives have been destroyed uh, this week. Um, but tonight, I'm going to do what I've always done in the face of tragedy, and that's try to be funny. Um, remember, I said try. <laughs> and live from New York, it's Saturday night. SNL has always done a great job in the aftermath of these events. Of course, you'll remember after the 9-11 attacks, it was uh, Mayor Giuliani who was out there. Um, and they asked him if it was okay to, oh, I'm going to blow the line, if it's okay to be funny again. And Rudy Giuliani's response was, why start now? Which I thought was a great response. All right, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk at 545, where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noam Layden on the gridiron. The Jets erased an 11-point deficit and held on to shock what was the league's last remaining undefeated team in the Philadelphia Eagles by a score of 20-14. to Brees Hall ran for an eight-yard touchdown with a 146 remaining. One play after Tony Adams intercepted Jalen Hurts to set up New York deep in the red zone. Here's what that sequence sounded like, courtesy of Fox Sports. Third and nine at the 46. Hurts facing a four-man rush over the middle. It's intercepted. Picked off by Tony Adams. Adams on the run. Breaking tackles. Tossed down inside the 10. First down into the end zone. Brees Hall in for the touchdown, and the Jets take the lead. And the season is reborn for the New York Jets. Their first win against the Eagles in the history of the franchise, and they do it 20-14. to 14. The Eagles got uh, one more chance, but the Jets' defense held strong, allowing Zach Wilson in the offense to take two kneel downs to seal the unlikely victory with which the Jets moved to an even 3-3 three and three on the season. As for the Giants, challenges on offense persisted once again en route to a 14-9 loss to the Bills in Buffalo. While the Bills barely hung on, the Giants were lamenting their fourth straight loss, coming down to a season-long inability to find the end zone. New York settled for three field goals by Graham Gano as the team ended both the game and the first half, having a drive end at Buffalo's one-yard line. The Bills moved to 4-2 and two on the year with the win, while the Giants dropped to an abysmal 1-5. Week 6 wraps up tonight with the Cowboys and Chargers in L.A. for Monday Night Football. Kickoff set for 8.15 p.m., and the Cowboys are currently one-and-a-half-point favorites. On the ice, there was no local action yesterday or last night, but the Rangers and Devils will be back at it tonight. The Hockey Blue Shirts welcome in the Arizona Coyotes for a 7 p.m. puck drop and their home opener, while the Devs get set to host the Florida Panthers also at 7 p.m. And finally, to the Diamond and the MLB playoffs for the ALCS got underway last night between the Rangers and Astros in Houston, opening with a 2 to nothing Rangers win behind a gem from Texas's Jordan Montgomery on the bump. The Rangers will take the 1-0 series lead into Game 2, set for this afternoon at 4.37 p.m. As for the NLCS between the Diamondbacks and Phillies, that'll get going with Game 1's first pitch scheduled for tonight at 8.07 p.m., in Philadelphia. No, that is sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 550. Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. New Yorkers escaping Israel, arriving back in New York and New Jersey at the airports yesterday, more than a week after.
after the Hamas attacks. Many families still trying to get out, still stuck there. Many spent thousands of dollars, boarded flights with multiple connections through Europe or through Greece to get to safety. There were a lot of emotional reunions at Newark Airport as parents and children waited for family members to return yesterday. The flight back was just difficult. It's like, okay, I'm going to leave my house. I'm going to go stay in a public area. I'm going to sit there and wait. And whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Kind of was the scariest part of it. I spent my trip crying, basically. Every, you know, every hour or so, I'm like, oh, my God, is this really happening? Many had been in Israel to celebrate the Jewish holidays when Hamas launched the surprise attack that killed more than a 1,000 families described their fear while hunkering down in bomb shelters. They were there just for a vacation for a little to, you know, R&R or to see some family. I'm very happy to be back. The people there are pulling together and they are incredible and they are doing so much to help each other that it just feels very warm and, and very protected. We all want to do everything we, we can to help, but at the same time, like, you have to put your safety first. So the U.S. did provide some charter flights because all the American airlines that normally do the route between places like New York and Israel have stopped flying, say they probably won't start flying till November again. That leaves just one airline, the Israeli airline El Al, that continues to fly. So uh, the U.S. provided charter flights to other parts of Europe, and then you had to find your way back from there. This woman, she made it to Athens, and now she's trying to figure out how to get home. Everything was, like, either extremely expensive or, like, not soon enough you know like it would be like in like two weeks or like in a week and a half and like by then it's it's just not like safe to stay there for that long president biden on 60 minutes last night talking about the reoccupation of gaza by israel he said that would be a huge mistake yes i do but there needs to be a palestinian authority there needs to be a a path to a Palestinian state. He says he's okay with Israel Israel uh, eliminating Hamas entirely. But, of course, the question is who takes over if that happens. We're the United States of America, for God's sake. The most powerful nation in the history, not in the world, in the history of the world. The history of the world. We can take care of both of these and still maintain our overall international defense. Yeah, so uh, he was invited, the president was, by Prim- Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to visit Israel. Not clear if he's going to do that. That is a spokesperson for the Israel Defense Forces, says Hamas is putting Palestinian civilians in Gaza in harm's way today. Hamas actually tried to obstruct their movement. Yeah, we heard that from our reporter this morning. And in fact, we had heard reports that Hamas had actually murdered Gazans trying to get out of the way. If you haven't been following that part of the story on Friday, Israel leafleted uh, northern Gaza, told people to get out because they were going to shell it. And so as people were, apparently Hamas members were murdering some of the people trying to get out of the way. We have instructed people living in the north of Gaza to exit towards the south to move down and then we're seeing the images of people actually adhering to our message yeah so the idf says hamas has set up checkpoints to keep palestinians in northern gaza and it just goes to show how hamas is actually trying to put the people of gaza at more risk then the big question is what's going to happen with these hostages a number of them we're not really clear how many but more than 10 are Americans, and there are no current plans to deploy U.S. troops to help free the American hostages in Gaza. We are actively trying to find out exactly where they are. We don't even know how many exactly. 
National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby says the U.S. still trying to determine where they're being held. Uh, 15 was one number that was being thrown around over the weekend. 10, that was another one. So it's, they really just don't know. A small handful we know, but there could be more than we know. They could be in different groups. They could be moved around. We're going to be careful about what we say publicly about our efforts to get those hostages home. And the White House also warning Americans who are in Gaza to get out of the way as soon as they can. He has sent hostage experts to coordinate and consult with the Israeli government on hostage recovery efforts. He's also made sure that our diplomats are in touch with third countries in the region. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan saying the White House has directed the um, his office to tell Gazans that are Americans to get out. And, uh, of course, as they continue to look for these American hostages. We have to continue to refine our understanding of where they are and even who they are. We know there are 15 unaccounted for Americans, but we cannot confirm the precise number of American hostages being held by Hamas. And uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, he was in Israel over the weekend, and he said he learned what Israelis have to go through after his delegation was rushed to a bomb shelter as uh, rockets from Gaza flew towards Tel Aviv. We wanted the Israeli people to know that America stands with them. We understand their pain. We understand their their need to make sure they eliminate the threat from Hamas once and for all. The New York Democrats said they were having lunch when the sirens went off and they rushed down to a shelter. We had a, a meeting uh, in this hotel and uh, the alarms went off and said, take shelter. And so we all rushed into a room which is secure and uh, uh, took shelter. That's Mitt Romney, who was part of that delegation. And finally... Actress Suzanne Somers has died after a long battle with breast cancer. She gained fame, of course, in the 1970s as Chrissy Snow on the ABC hit comedy Three's Company. She went on to star in other sitcoms. Uh, Step by Step was one. She's the sheriff. For a while, she had her own talk show. Then she had her own line of health, beauty, and fitness products. Uh, apparently, she had been diagnosed with breast cancer back in 2000 and was pretty open about it. Had survived this long, but uh, she died yesterday, just one day shy of her 77th birthday. I remember Thighmaster. <laughs> that was one of her items that she sold on television that became huge. And uh, she had the words, thank you, Thighmaster, which became sort of a running joke. She talked about that, um, what it was like to go through that. Everywhere you go, do people still, like, mention the Thighmaster? To you? They do in front of your studio here. Uh-huh. The uh, TMZ guy, who um, most people, <laughs> my children's age, think is news. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> he said he started using it when he was 13 years old. I said, really? Yeah. He said that's how he got ready for hockey. I don't know. Huh, I don't know. Interesting. I'm not that into sports, so <laughs> uh-huh. do you use those muscles? But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was a great infomercial of the time.